so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello and welcome back to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and I'll be hosting tonight and uh, we've got a bit of a sort of, I say special episode, but it's a, this, the season's about to kick off in a few days' time, so we're going to do a season preview, as we always do every year. Um, but we're also going to talk about the Mercato, because it still is the Mercato season, and there's plenty of activity going on right now in Marseille, um, as always. Um, so to jo- joining me to do all that tonight, I've got Ben. How are you, Ben? All good? <laughs> Good, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it feels like only yesterday we were doing the postseason review, and now we're doing the postseason, the, the preseason preview. So it's flown by, um, and we've got a, a most esteemed guest to help us out tonight. So um, yeah, looking forward to hearing his insights. Brilliant. Yeah, I think it's because we've like put out a bit more content this summer, so it kind of feels like um, it's gone by really quickly, and that there's not, you know, it's never been a long time since we've recorded. So yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean. Um, we've also got Julian. How are you, Julian? Hi, hi, Steph. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm all right. I'm I'm very good. I've been uh, picking up uh, blueberries in the in the forest all day today. And uh, listening about uh, how dire is OM situation, and yeah, all in all, it's a pretty good day. Thank you. <laughs> nice, nice. Always fun hearing about what you're getting up to. <laughs> ah, you never know. You never know. Today was the blueberries. Tomorrow might be the the mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, and then the next day you're gonna be gargamel chasing after the small. <laughs> um, okay. So. We've actually got uh, a guest joining us as well um, to talk through some of the Mercato stuff. So um, I'm pleased to say that Scott, who you may remember, joined us last year from uh, a Roma podcast, La Magicast, is with us tonight again. How are you, Scott? Uh, could I switch Julian's place and be picking blueberries? That sounds quite <laughs> a nice job on a Thursday. Uh, it's a, it, Actually, it's quite a tough job. It's It's quite physical, but it's nice. It's lovely. But uh, if you are on a if you are on a on a on a big time, it's 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 hard work. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's nice. Would be nice out in the sunshine as well, wouldn't it? Mm. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm all good. It's uh, it's Thursday uh, for me. The football season started last week. I support a League Two team. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to to talking to you guys about some. Your manager as well, who come from Serie A, and some players that are supposed to be joining from Serie A. So happy to be here. Of course, brilliant. Um, so I think we'll just start with that, actually. So um, we've been running our Mercato series over the summer, and I guess this is kind of like wrapping that up now. Well, possibly I say that, but knowing OM, we'll probably see quite a few things happen between now and the um, the end of the window. But But yeah, so we've got some new players coming in expected over the next couple of days um, and yeah the first one is uh, French international midfielder Jordan Veritu 
uh, who is currently playing with uh, AS Roma and, and that's kind of why we asked you on the show because last year you came on and you told us about Chengizunda and Paulo Lopez and it was pretty accurate what you told us actually kind of turned out to be what we experienced to some extent you don't agree yes. then well in a way but I guess it worked out well you know I guess we were both well maybe maybe you too Scott but I was you know after we did the episode last year I was presently surprised I mean maybe it's the difference between the, the, the leagues right but under had a had a pretty decent season even though as, as Scott did predict he, he did go missing for periods but he had a better season than I certainly expected, and and Paul Lopez, uh, you know, yeah, we didn't really know if he would be the starter, but he turned out to be the starter, and he he, he had a decent spell of form, and then dropped off towards the end. So yeah, but that's yeah, kind of anyway, what he I, told us is they were both going to be is, all right, yeah, all right for a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it was um it was more pessimistic than than optimistic, but I'm glad that it was more yeah that it turned out to be better than 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 predicted. Okay, um, so yeah, so we thought we'd do much the same around uh, Jordan Verdi too. So yeah, he's joined us, and um, I mean, I guess some of our listeners will probably know him quite well already if they've been following Ligan over the years because he did used to play for Nantes, and I think he had a brief spell at Saint Etienne, but it was a long time ago now, and he, he has made a few appearances for the national team in recent years. Um, yeah, but I don't know, is that what can you tell us about him, uh, Scott? Because I think that. Initially, like some of us would have been under the impression that he's a player that probably is maybe on the decline because you're getting rid of him. But is that really the case, or is he actually like still um, playing at a high level? I, I'm aware that he's kind of like you know sort of coming towards the early thirties now. But what what's his level at now? I think it's probably due to a fresh start. I don't think he's probably tactically disciplined for a Jose team uh, we saw that as Roma fans probably after the good start they had la- uh, last season wow we're, we're already talking about a new season it feels just a couple of months ago that last season finished yeah um, but yeah he had a really good start to last season uh, but uh, he he waned a little bit and then we was in and out of the team um, Jose Mourinho switched to from a four-two-three-one to like a three-four-three or three-five-two, and like had Zaniola and Abraham up top with Pellegrini behind, and then Cristante and Mkhitaryan, um, Sergio Oliveira as well, who joined from Porto on loan, so that ousted out Vera too. Um, like, like I said, he started the season really well. The first, the previous two seasons he had at Roma were really good under Paolo Fonseca, who you'll be watching quite a lot of next season in Liga as he's joined Lille. Um, that could be very interesting to watch. I do think he, he'll do well in, in Liga. Um, but uh, I think it's just a fresh start. Um, he sort of declined a little bit with the tactical switch, but his tactical discipline, especially with Jose, you have to be tactically disciplined in the Jose rigid style. It went missing. He would sit in a in the midfield, but he would go roaming. Um, um, but then his form dipped as well. But I think maybe a change of scenery back to Liga. Uh, I might Marseille are in the Champions League next season. Am I correct? So we'll be yes. play, yeah be playing Champions League football with Igor Chu. I just feel there is a player there. I just don't think he suited Jose Mourinho's football. I, I mean, sorry to, to jump in, Steph. I, I don't know if you had a question lined up, but just just bouncing off of that, I mean, 
what you're describing the, the switch for system it sounds pretty much like the system we're going to play this year and uh, oh well yeah that's that's correct yeah yeah so so christ already alarm bells are ringing it's like where, where is he going to use him and um if if i mean obviously you know Mourinho is re- reputed for being quite quite sharp you know quite sharp and and strict in terms of his team instructions and individual placement and all of that as you've as you as you've um you've 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 outlined but yeah straight away i'm thinking wow okay so if 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 he's been brought in because he's he's an opportunity in the market and not because the coach sees a place for him is it are we at risk of the same thing happening again where where Tudor quickly decides actually he's not suited to to this system because Roma had already figured that out and and he ends up being another costly signing that that spends time on the bench wow okay I mean, yeah, I, 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 sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I, sorry, sorry. Man. No, no, I mean, didn't ask you Sorry. Yeah, I guess the question was, as you say, change of scenery and stuff. But is it from from your point of view, who you know, you watch the games nearly every week, right? And it's like, is it is it really down to Jose, or did you did you see signs that he couldn't quite grasp the, the change of system and didn't there wasn't a role for him in that system? So the writing was probably on the wall, um, probably just after Christmas. There was talk on social media and in the WhatsApp groups I'm in for the podcast that we do that. um, And I think we may have talked about it in the past on our podcast. And I actually talked about it on um, another podcast, a Roma Press podcast um, the other week. I've got I said podcast too many times. Sorry. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, um, the sort of the writing was on the wall, I think. Jose Mourinho probably wanted to hear style of players in. So, as you can see by Roma's transfer market, they've done so far. They've signed Nemanja Matic, which which is a Jose Mourinho player that he's had in, in the past, and also today um, another player from Liga is is joined from PSG and he's earning the PSG money in Gigi Wijnaldum. Um, I just think that with the type of players that Mourinho and Thiago Pinto the the sporting director brought in in January and this window it's sort of ousted out Veritu and you probably see his, his minutes limited this season um, as I said yeah, probably just as I said the, the writing was probably on the wall after I want to say uh, the Juventus defeat and then we lost, Roma lost two games in a row to start 2022 against AC Milan and Juventus. They, against Juventus, they capitulated. They were 3-1 three, three up with 20 minutes to go and lost 4-3. And, yeah, um, he had his minutes. They were limited. He would come on in games and see stuff out. He would play in games where Roma were resting players for the Conference League, which Roma won. It could have been a Roma-Marseille final, but as we were talking off pod, um, yeah. So, um, as I said, I'll a fresh challenge was probably seen by all and I think it was on the wall six months before it's happened I'll just go um yeah so I just kind of wondered like and this is came from um one of the guys on our podcast and suggested we ask you about this and it's just about his 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 best position like do you see him as a kind of like a number six or a number eight like what can we expect from him uh sort of pure defensive midfielder or more of a kind of box-to-box or deep-line playmaker? What What is his actual role? Box-to-box, uh, box, without doubt. He's like a, a third runner. So he scored quite a lot of goals for Roma. Oh, 2020, 2021. Then he got injured 
and that probably the injury could probably cost Roma under Fonseca, who's pivotal under Paolo Fonseca. Um, probably cost Roma probably getting to the final of the Europa League and having a chance to win it. He got injured in that massacre at Old Trafford and Roma lost 6-2 but box to box he likes to run from deep and he scored quite a lot of goals running from deep he's also he probably would he switch with Milik for penalties because Veratou's quite good on penalties he's only missed one or two Chesney saved one off him so he's your your box to box runner from midfield picking up the runs and getting into the box beyond the last man and hopefully scoring a lot of goals for you guys in the in Igor Tudor's new system. Okay. Um, any final questions or should we move on? Well, I, I could ask a, a side question. Like, I don't know if Scott um, uh, is, has followed that, but on the... Um, on the OM mostly Twitter, there has been like some some reaction about some sort of like apparently some sort of like sordid affair linked with with Vertu and his uh, his partner Ooh. linked with his. Uh, I so Did if you're not aware at, at all of that? the subject, if you're not aware at all of the subject, no. we won't even we won't even uh, deep inside it because it's quite long. But I, I was just like if you were if you would be already aware of it, you could have said how are the Roma. I would be interested more into how the Roma supporters have been reacted to that, and they didn't make such a fuss because in Marseille it made a huge fuss, but uh, it's I mean, it's, it's very right, awkward because we're talking about some some you know law and justice, and and he's not directly as an individual, he's not directly linked to it. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. I guess, Scott, I mean, there was, on a side note, um, I mean, I read something that, that happened while he was at Roma. Was it last summer or, or six months before that his wife was positive for COVID or, or one of her friends was? And she yes, had yeah, 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 and that's, contaminated yeah. The, the squad. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, there was a, yeah, I remember that. So that was, what, 18 months ago? Was it, uh, it was a, oh, it could have been a birthday party or a birthday soiree? I remember that, yeah, um, I think there was a couple of players who may have been unvaxxed, who may have caught it, and there was maybe a, a huge foray. Um, if my memory serves me right, they've just celebrated having a child, I think. That could have been something that may have come into the news recently. I could be wrong, but I, I swear I've read something that uh, John Veritas just become a dad. So that could be yeah, I mean, changes soon as well. Exactly, yeah, if that fits, uh, that would fit the bill and justify moving back to France. I mean, mm. um, I guess just on, on the final note, and Stefan, you, Steph, you, you, you touched on it, he he played some games under Deschamps, right? He was in the France squad. I mean, probably too late to be on the plane unless he pulls the blinder out of nowhere. But, um, is I mean, is there a general sense that was he, in, in your opinion and Roma fans' opinion, was he is he capable of, of that level of, of playing for the French national team and being in the squads? Or is he? Is is that is that ship sailed? Well, his form last season, last season, sorry, two years ago would have got him in. Uh, your the French midfield is utterly stacked, and it's as a supporter of a Scottish national team, I'm jealous because that midfield is disgusting. He would not. Um, I'm afraid he probably wouldn't get in that, would he? What you've got? Uh, so the guy at Real Madrid, Camavinga, um, Pogba, uh, Kante. Would would you would you get to ask yeah, you guys? He, 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 yes. he was always a bit of a, a shot for me that he was getting picked. I I didn't really think he was 
at the level of some of the other players, but I, I haven't watched him week in, week out, you know. Was it like a token opportunity for him and the Deschamps? Deschamps likes kind of like experienced players and he likes safe players often. So to me, it just seemed like just, you know, a typical decision of that coach. There's big chances that Pogba won't make it. So in that regard, but uh, because of injury, because of this bad knee injury. But uh, yeah, would, that, would that guarantee Vertu a spot? Absolutely not. There's maybe people I mean, ahead uh, of him in the queue, yeah, as you say, Kamavinga and, and those guys who, who are younger. But yeah, um, I guess that, that, exactly that, that was the point of my question, Scott. And I don't know how much you, you followed Marseille last year, so but many. I guess I guess, yeah, I guess the question mark that, that I have is who the hell is he going to replace? Because when you sign someone of that age and that experience, it's it's surely, you know, I don't see it any other way than he's he's being brought in as a starter. And um, when when we look at the preseason we've had, there's been quite a few conflicts with Trudeau and the players. But I guess it's like Gendouzi is for me on paper and what you've described. If he's if, if Vertu is a box to box, for me he sounds like the most likely candidate to, to go on the bench. Sadly, yeah. In terms so, of the similarity in the roles, could be like squad player. So you guys are what well, Liga starts this weekend and Champions League. So it could be coming into games where. Uh, Gwen Doozy will probably pick up about 15 yellows, I imagine, for you guys this season. I would would you guys agree with his with his disciplinary <laughs> record? In three seasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember him at Arsenal and Hertha Berlin previously. So yeah. Um you got Gerson, who uh, I adored at Roma. I thought he was a great, great young talent, but I think he fell under a bit of he thought he'd lost his way at Roma and then at Fiorentina. I think then he went back to Brazil and then you guys picked him up. But uh, smashed it second half of last season. He smashed yeah, it. Yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah, he's yeah. a really talented player. Um, I'd probably just say, I imagine Tudor will probably do the tactical setup he had at Hellas Verona last season, which is technically the same setup at Roma. So could be like a squad player um, for next season and coming in in games, which you're trying to see out and a bit of squad rotation. Okay. Um, okay. I think we'll probably just move on because I'm just mindful of the time. So, um, yeah. Just before we just uh, the last thing I say about very two because I know uh, Julianne touched upon it and listeners might not know what you were really referring to. So it was just about the there's a quite mixed reaction from OM fans about this signing because of uh, a case that um, he, involving his wife's father that he. Uh, essentially, uh, he, he, he indirectly, through his wife, paid for his father's legal fees, who was being accused of um, rape, isn't it? Um, rape of a minor. And so it's quite, a, yeah, and that's sort of not gone down well with, with some fans. So a lot of fans are, are like saying that we should boycott the signing. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see as he joins um, how the fans take to him and if he if that affects his performance or not and if he does do well whether or not that kind of just gets forgotten about and um, football fans can be quite like fickle um but yeah so we'll just wait and see that but yeah there's definitely like sort of mixed responses about how well he, he should be at the club um i wanted to kind of um yeah, just quickly get your thoughts on another guy who's supposed to be joining us in the next couple of days and um, so so like 
De Sanchez. I think we all know who this guy is. He's a you know a household name, a big a big star in, in world football in the last sort of ten years or so. Um, what's his level like now? Because I think a lot of us are not really sure if he's still a decent player. Looking at you know he was pretty poor at the end of his career um, in England. Um, and yeah, looking at the stats, doesn't look like he's um, been firing in the goals for a few seasons now. What can do you know? What we can be we we can expect with the level of Alexis Sanchez now come coming to France is what thirty three years old. Is he still a good player? Um, I think he probably he's probably played too much football over the last ten years. Um, I remember when he was at Udinese and then he went to Barcelona, he picked up a lot of injuries under Pep and had a lot of intense injuries. And remember, like, I think he played, was it two, maybe three international tournaments on the spin with no break? So what? he had the World Cup in 2014, Copper America in 2015, another Copper America in 2016. Like he had a lot of injuries when he was at Arsenal and Man United. Um, at Inter, it started off well. Uh, I think in the last couple of years under... Conte and now Simone Inzaghi he probably finds himself as like fourth to, uh, fourth choice striker so last season they bought Edin Dzeko from Roma they basically got him for free and paid his wages which is about 7 million euros a year when he was at Roma but so uh, into last year it was, it was Lautaro, Dzeko Alexis I'm trying to think who the fourth striker was mine's going to go blank and it'll get to me later but yeah Korea, so, Korea I think yes Wacky Korea. Korea that's it sorry um yeah what so they signed Wacky Korea from uh in uh from Lazio on loan and then permanently like in summer for I think it was about 30 million euros so Inzaghi likes to play like two up top like Conte within three five two so um it's quite hard to where he would fit in at Marseille would would he be like the second striker for you guys? A bit of bit of energy off the bench because I think it's maybe his best years could be behind him just because of the amount of football he's played over the last ten years because he has played a lot and it looks like his body may have broken down a couple of times last season. I don't think he featured that much because um, Inter were on to win the Scudetto and sort of bottled it at the end with a defeat to Bologna and Milan, AC Milan, sorry, won their last five games. And they then they got knocked out of the... So they won the Coppa Italia and won this, the, this Italian Super Cup. And then they they got knocked out of the Champions League by Liverpool. Um, I, they won at Anfield 1-0. And then Sanchez got sent off for two... Stupid challenges. Uh, Lotaro scored an absolute wonder goal, but I just think you guys might be getting a player who has struggled a lot recently. Under um, Tudor, he might thrive. I thought Tudor would probably get someone like Gio Simeone, but no, he could be going somewhere else. But uh, with Sanchez, I just feel it could be a, a player who's probably just gone past his prime. Sorry to, sorry to disappoint yeah. We're not sorry. We're not really surprised that that's why he's probably end, ending up in Marseille. You know, that's the that's the sad but the truth. Like we get the we get top players past their prime. That's that's the only way we can actually get top players. You know? That's our fate at the moment. 
Okay, yeah, so, um, okay, I think that's, you know, is what we kind of all expect, is what Julian's saying. Um, just to say, actually, in those two players, so, like, Veritu is joining, I think, on loan with a, a, an option to Bisney for about 11 million well, euros. Apparently not. Is that it's not right? straight transfer, apparently. Oh, God, Christ. And then Sanchez has resigned, his contract has been uh, resigned, he doesn't it? So he's going to join in a free transfer, and I think he's going to take a... He's going to need like half his wages, isn't it? So it's going to be about three point five million euros. Yeah, he's a year. on a, he's on a about, fair work. He's on a fair work yeah. at Inter. It's a lot of money. Okay. So you so we will be paying less, but still a lot of money for us. Um, I think just uh, I guess one last question before and we'll let you go is just about Ben mentioned it earlier on about our coach Tudor, um, because shit's kicking off already in Marseille. Um, <laughs> do you think him as a good coach or not? <laughs> oh no, I, yeah, he's a. I really enjoyed watching this Hellas Verona side last season. They were very proactive. Um, he came in when Eusebio Di Francesco lost his first three games of the season and got fired. Igor Tudor's first game in charge was against Roma, and you guys can probably gather what happened. Hellas won 3-2 with a wonder goal, and it stopped Roma with their unbeaten start of the season. I think they finished ninth, eighth or ninth. It could be actually, sorry, ninth. Uh, so Atalanta finished eighth. I think it was either Torino or Hellas finished ninth or tenth. But I, I was a bit shocked that he left Hellas Verona because then I thought he would do a good job. Then there was rumours of him joining Galatasaray. Um, remember, he was. Andrea Pirlo's number two at Juventus and Pirlo finished fourth and then got the boot. But um, I was really impressed with his style of football last season. He got the best out of Gia Simeone. Simeone at times last season in Serie A was unplayable and was a joy to watch. And he scored, sorry, he scored a shitload of goals behind Chiro and Mobley, but he got the best out of him. And then you had uh, Illich uh, behind uh Barak, um, they had the wing backs in Lazovic and Farioni. And like they play with like a three-four-three attacking style of football, and it was really good to watch. And I, I thought his Hellas side were really, really enjoyable to watch last season. It's just a shame that he's left, and they, um, I think they replaced him with Gabriela Choffi, who was Udinese's manager and I watched League Two football over here in the UK and he was he was the manager of Crawley. So yeah, it was just a, a sad shame that he's left the Serie A to go to, to Marseille. I think he hopefully he'll do well and doesn't catch the, the backfire that may happen when you're managing such a big club in France. Okay, well that's good to hear and I think I, I think we'll probably let you go then because I know you need to get off and it's good that you've um, left us on a positive <laughs> note. <laughs> Not like last time when I probably yeah. was just like... There's a lot oh, of anxiety okay. going on right now about this. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking, you guys were talking about the French midfield earlier. Another player just popped into my head and I'd still baffled how he gets a game. It's Adrian Rabiot. So I was just like, if he can get a game, Jordan Verratou can get a game for the France national team. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, just before you go, like, where, where can people hear, if they want to hear more about Roma and stuff, like, where, where can they hear more about like, what, you're, what you're doing? Yeah, uh, so my Twitter is at Scott underscore Monroe, Scott with one T, so it's Scott 
uh, yeah, Scott with one T underscore Monroe is M U N R O E. Strong Scottish name. My dad is Scottish. He's from Glasgow. Um, so you have another Scottish uh, person, Stefan. Uh, the podcast I do is uh, at the Magicast. I'm the host. I've been the host since March 2021. Um, so it's at the Magicast on on Twitter. We I haven't we haven't done a podcast for a little bit. It's preseason. It's preseasons. It's a, a little. Uh, it's not nothing to worry about. We did something on Paulo Dybala signing for Roma a couple of weeks ago. Hopefully we've got a, like a season preview, hopefully booked in for next week because our, the Serie A season kicks off next weekend. Nice one. Okay, well, um, thanks for joining us and um, hopefully we'll get another chance as well to cross paths in the future and we'll maybe sign ourselves some players between us or maybe even hopefully one day we can meet you in European competition. But yeah, good to catch up. No worries. I thought we would be doing something last January, but Amadou Diawara decided to reject every contract in the sun, and he's doing the yeah. same thing. I thought he would be joining Marseille and Roma would be getting Kamara, uh, but Kamara's gone to the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, all right, take care. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Have a good rest of the evening. Okay, so there is another player that we've signed since we last podcasted, actually. So this is uh, Nuno Tavares, who Portuguese left back who joined us from Arsenal just about a week or so ago um, and he's actually already featured for us and um, this is kind of interesting player as well um, I think some like I mean I'll just say my thoughts first guys and I'd be kind of interested to hear what you think but when I saw that we were being linked to him or someone I'd sort of looked at him on YouTube videos he looks so bad <laughs> like really really bad um, but I, and I kind of just thought well you know, like clearly quite a raw player who, who's got like physical qualities, but like there's a lot of things that just, you know, aren't very refined. And it seemed strange to me for us to choose to sign a player like that on the left side when we already had a very raw young player with some talent on the left side who we just shipped out. So, um, which is Luis Enrique. Um, so yeah, it seemed a bit of an odd choice of player for me. Um, but I will say that I haven't seen him play um, in against Milan the other day. I actually felt like there was some interesting things that he showed in the game, so I'm a little bit more hopeful of the signing than what I initially was. Um, I don't know, what what do you guys think? I know, Ben, you support Arsenal, so you probably know the player quite well. What, what do you think about Tavares as a new left wing back? I mean, as you say, it's, you know, I've watched, <clears throat> I've watched Arsenal much less than I watched Marseille last year, and uh, but I still caught games, and... Um, He's raw, yeah, he's raw, but he's he's a different level of player. I mean, you can't compare him to Luis Enrique. He's just, he, he's, he is a, a left-back at heart, right? Tavares, was, whilst Luis Enrique would have been a reconverted player from a winger or, or Christ knows his actual position. We were told he was he could play striker when he signed. But um, I think it's it, it's a different mould and, you know, he's, he is highly rated. Um, he, he, he did get a couple of um, call-ups to the Portuguese national team, I think, last season. So... It's it, again. It looks like another Saliba, right? In terms of Arsenal, from their point of view, loan with no option to buy. If it works out, great for them. He goes back, but it's not so good for Marseille because, again, we're just you know it's a stopgap and we don't have a permanent solution. I mean, the, the main takeaways I take are firstly, you know, Sampaoli and now Trudor have both concluded that Amavi and Kolasinac are just not up to the standard required. I think we all already knew that. But sadly, we we we've clearly we're in the market from the start of uh, of the window for a left left wing back. 
we all thought it was going to be Lazovic. I think last last week, Steph, when we podcasted, he was he was allegedly two minutes away, well, two steps away from from flying to Marseille, concluding the deal, and then it got canned. And very quickly, we 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 concluded the deal um, on Thursday for Tavares. So. I, I think he's got potential, certainly athletic-wise. He's, you know, he's more like um, a sort of Tai Taiwo if you were to compare him. Although I think he's he's, mentioned, he's got more football IQ than Taiwo, but um, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's just a, a, a quick, pacey, technical, good crosser. The question marks are over his defensive ability, um, and he was he was caught out last season quite a few times for Arsenal. But it's worth mentioning he was caught out against, you know, the likes of Liverpool and. Uh, and Man City and the bigger teams, and and not not often the smaller teams where where he he often excelled actually, and, and often got on the score sheet or got an assist against some of the smaller teams. So we'll see. I think he'll do well. I think he um he, he's you know he's 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 someone. I, I don't know if anybody's watched the, the 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 first few episodes of the Arsenal All or Nothing documentary on Prime, but he features quite a lot in those episodes, and notably there's there's. He, he comes on, has a really first, really good first appearance, and then Arteta and, and his um, his um, his number two, they have it's a the chat. Same, and I sorry. sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I just cut. Out. I don't know if it cut out for anyone else, but it, it cut out for me uh, for a minute. Not for me. Um, no, I was just going to f- finish on this. It's just that you know, uh, yeah, uh, Arteta says to his number two, he, he started really well, but he's he's in his shell too much. You know, he's a bit too shy, and maybe he's a bit homesick. And how do we create an environment for him where he can he can talk to us and and communicate and and give his opinion and feel more more involved in the dressing room? And I'd, I'd be curious to see how that evolves over the course of these these episodes that come out every week, over the next three or four weeks. But um. You know, if Arsenal loaned him out with no option to buy, he's clearly a player that they saw something in and that they like. So they they they'd like to imagine. I imagine from their point of view, they'd like to think they, that we're going to have the same effects as we did on Saliba and give them back a, a really you know much more experienced, much more finished, polished player than than the one they bought from Benfica last year. So. I like it. I like what I saw in the friendly um, against Milan in his 45 minutes and. Personally, I just think he's he's miles above Kolasinacharamavi. Yeah, just about uh about uh Nuno Tavares, like just to add a few words, like yeah, I, I basically agree with everything that Ben said. Um, from what I I read and 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 and, and watched, um, his his limitations for the moment as as still like a young and role player, or defending and like positioning, and. Uh, Arguably, the thing was like like in Arsenal they was playing with a back four, and uh, now we're gonna play with you know like three in the back plus plus two. So the fact that he has one defender next to him to do some of the de- defensive tasks is I guess a good thing. So I guess this system might fit him better, and I guess we might see his 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 like his lacks or his what he's missing less, and we might see more of his of his uh, qualities because of of that. So let's hope so. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so I think maybe we'll just this. I want to get to the pre-season. So I realize we're um, running a bit slow tonight. So you, um, before we start looking at the season ahead, like we're, our pre-season's just finished actually. So we did um, play Milan uh, at the weekend. That was our first game back at the Velodrome, um, which we lost. Uh, so. Just looking back at the the whole summer, like I mean, how are people feeling about our preparations going into the season? Because obviously, like 
we've seen our coach leave. We've had um, so we've got a new coaches come in. Our pre-season performances, like the results, haven't been good, and the performances probably well they haven't been good either, in my view. Um, and there's been a lot of like drama. It seems there's, there's a lot of media reports floating around about um, instability at the club like um what are people how are you guys feeling about how pre-season's gone like just in, in overall is this like is it alarm bells ringing for you or do you think this <laughs> is just kind of standard om <laughs> i was i was gonna I, that's exactly what i was gonna say steph it's like tell, tell me tell me something new i mean instability and drama welcome to marseille right um uh, I, look there's yes there's been a lot, uh, quite a lot of changes, and and actually from um, from yesterday's press conference that, that Pablo Longoria did, I, I I feel the changes are not just the manager, the, the whole the whole hierarchy. So Longoria is different. Um, the fact he brought in Ribalta and he's trusting him to look after the football matters, that's a big difference. And I think there's there's a bit of a cultural shift happening where clearly. Uh, it's, it's emerged that, that Tudor was was Ribalta's choice, and uh, Longoria, you know, in in the light of all the rumours of unrest and unhappiness in the camp, and and Payet notably apparently asking for a meeting, and that that took place yesterday. So it's true that they, you know, that people are voicing concerns and stuff in the squad themselves. But from yesterday, the meeting, sorry, happened on Tuesday with the players and the management and 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 Longoria and and the staff. And the, the message from Longoria yesterday was. Chudo's our man. There's the club, there's the coach, and then there's the players. And it it just felt like they slapped them back into line and, and basically probably, you know, if I was to guess, I would imagine they said, guys, uh, we, me, Ribalta, and Chudo, we've come from Italy. Football over there is more structured, more professional. The players are athletes. There's no fucking about in training. There's no laziness. It's fitness, 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 and then tactical discipline. Um, anybody who's not not here for that, you can leave the ride at any time and we'll sell you. But this is the message. We're standing by the coach. We're standing by the, the, the cultural shift that we brought in, that he's trying to bring in. And you've just got to get on with it. And so looking back on pre-season, we, what did we see? We saw we saw a completely different tactical system where the wing backs are heavily um, privileged and, and relied upon to, to create, uh, to transition, to, 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 to move the ball up the pitch. And then on top of that, we've seen some of the star players from last year, Gendouzi, Gerson, Payet, struggle and, and even strop it sometimes. It, it is what it is, right? And it's the, the problem at Marseille is that it's always everything's under a microscope and over amplified constantly. But I mean, conflicts between the player and the manager, it is what it is. At Marseille, it happens even more often, sadly. But what can we do about it? Clearly, Longoria is back to the coach. So anybody who's unhappy in the playing squad, they're going to have to buckle up and, and fight for their place. That was probably the message. Um, if if we are changing, I hope it doesn't reflect itself too much on the on the early results because, as far as I'm concerned, we're still in very much in pre-season, even even the whole of August, where where we're going to start seeing now that we've got the the, the most important signings, which are two right wing backs. So not right, but the right and left wing back. This is when we're going to see that system take shape in in the league games. So the, it's too early to tell, but it's certainly, yeah, it's, there's more drama than than we would have liked. Okay, uh, Julian, have you got any like thoughts on uh, the preseason? Have you managed to catch any of it, or even just the drama that's happening off the pitch at the moment? Yeah, I don't know. It's 
it's extremely complex. Like, I have this feeling that we are most likely witnessing um, some very big shifting moments once again in the history of um, of our club, or at least in the history of the of the whole Mac Court uh, presidency. And it's very hard to know exactly in which direction it will go. So whatever you say, you might, you know, it might n- not be like accurate in one month anymore. Um, but uh, there is a feeling that it's not going in the right direction for different, for for way too many reasons. But also, as has been said, like um, the 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 very big problem is like oh, everything is amplified in Marseille. Uh, I won't get back into that story, but this Vertu thing is a very good example. I think the people in in Roma didn't care about that, didn't even know. And in Marseille, because of this story where the where he's not directly in, in, implied about the rumors of him maybe paying a lawyer, blah blah blah. Uh, you had like at least on Twitter, like it was top top tweet in France for a moment, like we don't want uh, Vertu in Marseille. And only, almost only in Marseille this could happen. And this is like, because of this sort of amplified things and, you know, we could discuss about do we want this guy or not, but but the way it happened is always like all the debates are so, you know, like black and white on everything. And it's the same about Tudor, it's like, it's like basically you have to say he's, he's shit, you have to say he's the worst coach in the world, or then if you don't do that, you, you say he's God. And to find the middle way is very difficult. It's always the same on the social media, but I, I think on, on Ma- in Marseille with Marseille questions, it's 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 especially true, and that makes it very difficult to to see clearly, and that makes it very difficult to to see where where are we going. That think, said, sorry, can you hear me, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was. In, I thought you finished. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. That said, um, about Longoria precisely, I'm a bit concerned. Maybe like. Um, I think um, maybe Pablo is, um, has been okay. This is like I might talk shit, so so you know, bear with me, people. If you know, this is like I'm, I'm suppositions, but well, I've been thinking about it. I think uh, Pablo Longoria might have been like very, very in, in sort of, of of burnout from from last year, burnout from being um, at the same time like. Um, head scout and uh, head of football and president and etc. And uh, so that's why he got Ribalta in. Things started to get to get bad since Ribalta arrived. I cannot really tell how much Ribalta is responsible for, for the situation, but we don't hear much of him. But you know, things have changed since he's there. I don't know if it's like cause or consequence, but um, uh, you know. Um, and uh, uh, like, how, how could I say? Um, maybe no, we are, no is is uh, all I can say is like Pablo Longoria is in front of the biggest test as his career in Marseille. Um, he used to have immense credit with the with the fans because he arrived after GHE, who was like a nightmare. And you know, globally, he's been a good president, and globally, he was respected and knowing football and etc. But now, because of some of the, of the decisions, because of the ego to do decisions, because of the speech he had a few days ago, because of, I think we start to see a new face of, of Longoria where he's trying to assert himself as a president. But is he doing, is he trying to assert himself out of self-confidence or is he trying to do that out of a beginning of panic? 
and 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 fear and a bit like you know I, I I'll try to be the boss but is he you know is he forcing is he is he forcing the role you know and I think we're gonna see on we we we're gonna find out about that like pretty fast I'm afraid I have this feeling this with this Tudor it might be it might be it might be around for a few months it might be around for for less it might be around for I I I, I, I don't he be here the whole season but but if he does. We'll have a good season. And Zhu, you've you've given a really good overview there, and 100% agree with everything you said. But but I, I just feel like he's teeing you up, Stefan, with those with those Longoria comments. So over to yeah, you, mate. <laughs> I mean, I think I think do you know I th- you make a really interesting point actually about how polarized everything is, and it's just not just the web, though, is it? That is just the world that we live in nowadays. Is that everyone is so polarized over every single issue and there doesn't ever yeah. seem to be a middle ground um it's more of a reflection of like the way society is nowadays i think more than anything but um yeah i maybe i'm catastrophizing things a lot but um i mean the pre-season i missed a couple of games so i didn't see the norwich game for example and i missed this first half of the milan game but the pre-season performances were poor from what I seen, I didn't see a hell of a lot that looked very promising to me. But pre-season is often not very good for the women. We often do have pretty shit pre-seasons, and and but you know come league, you know, start a league and we sort of get it together. Um, so I don't think you can read too much into that. But I yeah I wasn't pleased with the appointment of Tudor just because I didn't know him so well, and I didn't think I had doubts about his level. You know whether he's got the experience or even like the the character the shoulders to to coach om um you know all the problems that are happening off the field whether or not all of these are true and and whether or not some of them are being fabricated by the media um is kind of irrelevant because the fact that they're there still is sowing seeds of instability in, in the in the squad. There's no doubt that the, you know those stories, whether they're true or not, that they're still going to have a negative impact on on the, the team. Um, and it's sort of it's it's setting the scene as well quite badly for the start of the season for the fans to turn on on the club when things don't go well because we've been fed all this shit. Um, I'm not impressed with. You know the the signings and the, di- the direction that we seem to be going in, like with um, you know, like in the sporting sense, like yeah, it doesn't uh, the choice of coach you get you said it Ben plays a different style. It seems it's, the players are having to transition. I don't really have an issue with them saying like you know people need to work harder, things are too relaxed. This is how we do it now. That's great, but it's clearly if the problems that have been reported are true, then there's clearly probably been a problem about how he's communicated that. You know, and he's just walked in the door um, and said these things and upset people. And I think, like, you know, a good coach has got to be a leader and he has to be in an essential part of that has been a good communicator, a good, you know, auditor, if that's the right word. Is that the right word? Um, so I don't, I'm not there, but what I'm reading makes me think he's probably not um, if, if it's gone down so badly. So, yeah, that's worrying. I... Um, the, some of the signings, you know, the, the signings and stuff and the level, you know, ins and outs are a bit underwhelming. You know, we had the guy, um, Eduardo, on the last podcast talking about, 
you know, the two players we'd signed from the Liga and how you couldn't believe that they, you know, we were signing these players and let's not pretend, like, they're really underwhelming. I know Alex is, like, you know, super positive about everything, but come on, man, like, we all know this is not looking good and the signs are all pointing towards a difficult season and there's a lot of, like, parallels when the, with the year when Bielsa left and everything when we ended up with Michelle and it was just a bit of a mess. We were sending all sorts of random players. We didn't seem to have a sporting vision anymore, a, a, a philosophy. Um, we just clearly were going into a time of transition and it looks a bit like that now and, and there is those long-term questions about the direction of the club. McCool and stuff. Personally, I don't think Longoria is going to be here for much longer. I'm getting the impression he's going to probably be gone within the next six months as well. Um, but I, so I, yeah, I just to, just, to, just to, to echo that point, Steph, and you've rightfully pointed it off, pointed it out. Sorry, off offline from the podcast. But as, as Julien's outlined, you know, he's he's he's, he's most vulnerable right now. Um, Ribalta was his choice. Tudor was his choice. So if they if that fucks up. Steph, you're probably right by saying, well, surely his ass is on the line, right? Yeah, so I, I've said this, as you said a lot, I, I said the podcast, is everyone's ha- having a go about Tudor right now and how shit we look. If he uh, if he fails, then I think Longoria or, or, or and Ribalta have to go for making that bad decision. They rushed into that appointment. They didn't waste any time. He was appointed within like two days of Sampali leaving. They didn't even try and scope out the market for a bit longer. People might say, oh, well, they knew, you know, they prepared for this in advance. But often when, a co- when, when you're looking for a coach, the clubs will contact guys who aren't even available and seeing who might actually be interested we didn't stick around and wait. So, like, if you if you if you make a mess, uh, if you make that a, a bad decision like that to the point where we're talking about a coach leaving before the seasons even started, then it's a major mistake. So yeah, they should they, they shouldn't be immune from and, and, from and that. Add so. that. Yeah, add to that the as you mentioned just before, Steph, the you know the the the, the signings, Blanco, Suarez, that have been far from from impressive so far that's you know it's not only the coach but you've you've spent money that could have been better spent elsewhere right and we're actually one of the biggest spenders in europe this summer and i think the summer before as well it's crazy so like there's this like myth that seems to be going about that oh but we don't have any money to work with we're just sort of wheeling and dealing with what we've got but we're actually spending money so um yeah i, I think we can be a bit more critical now um, i think we've had the glory period over the last year and i think now we have to start being realistic and looking at things and saying actually are these moves working and i guess we'll see as the season starts you know maybe we're i, I might i think i do catastrophize a bit so guys excuse me before we move to the to the to the game on Sunday, could I have a last word on on, on that issue? Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, and I I I'll, I'll had a, a pinch of uh, of conspiracy theory in the mix, knowing that this is this. I'm not saying this is what is happening or what it will happen. It's just uh, one of the possible scenario. But when we say you know if Tudor fails, uh, it's a bit like dominoes. You know if if Tudor fails. Uh, Longoria and Ribalta fails, and if Longoria and Ribalta fails, fails McCourt fails. So you arrive at the level where already a lot of people heard that McCourt sell, McCourt sell, and now we've been spending a lot of money, and we still almost didn't send any player. Luan Perez, five million here and there, and apparently there is talks about Bakambu going. We know we are trying to sell Diang and. We also know that all, all our players are, you know, on the on possible transfer list. 
if if you get a good offer for any player, even Gendouzi, for example, then they, they will sell. We know that. Um, one thing you could think is Longoria chose Tudor, a guy that would be like a bit like a rough guy that would make a lot of, of players uneasy and angry and pissed off and out of their comfort zone to get more more people that want to leave the club um, to sell a lot of players uh, to get a, some money in the in the cash for McCourt so that a, a, a sale happens after that. You know, like, or without going up to that level, at least, um, uh, like, choosing Tudor might also be a strategy uh, to help at least Longoria's uh, trading idea, where he wants to make OM a trading club, you know, a bit like a Monaco kind of club. Um, and in a way, to choose a, a, um, a, a kind of coach who comes from Italy, who always respect the, the, the hierarchy, you know, unlike maybe Sampaoli, who was more like a anarchist. Um uh, maybe that could also be part of the of the reason why you know when we all wonder why did he choose Tudor, could be one reason could be that could be just that he chose someone that would help uh, sell players away. That's yeah, that's, it's, I'm just it's, throwing it's, that. Right. In the, just throwing. Yeah, that no, in. you're right. I agree. I mean, Alex, Alex raised this offline as well, but it's uh, just just to conclude on this. Yeah, it could be either, as you say, it's it's a case of there, there are some players that. Um, are under, undesirable for whatever reason. Payet's allegedly one of them that they, they you know, Longoria never liked, and um, and he's blocked by the fact that he's got this stupid contract that Iro gave him a couple of years ago. But uh, it could be to mark a transition and to bring in his man and to transition, you know, to to sort of make players uneasy or, or to weed out the, the the elements that aren't willing to work and invest and, and work hard in a new project and system and then sell them for some money prior to a sale that's i mean you know that that's maybe the the you know the ideal scenario for sale happens you're like right you know they just want to to, to grab some cash and they brought in a, a, a you know riot policeman to, to bash some schools and get rid of people make sure we, we sold them um but the i think the the second theory is more accurate and alex raised this offline which was a complete recalibration of the squads, the system, and the profiles of players that we're going to sign, which which help us transition to a a selling club, um, very very much in the mold of Monaco and Lyon and, and Lille, which is you know we sign players in in a profile where the wing backs are attractive, um, you know the midfield players are big physical players and they're attractive to the Premier League and that enables us to to be more sustainable financially and it's a complete reset in terms of. OM as, as a club and, and, and in terms of our stature, which is maybe a first step in a positive way to becoming sustainable financially, but also less of the less of the madness and less of the, the, the sort of, you know, the, the, all of the other little things that make OM OM, which is the, you know, the, the, the either the, um, the, the whole, the, the huge um, uh, crisis like we, we have now with Vertu, which is stupid, it's a storm in a teacup, or you know the, the sort of profiles of players that we signed just for the hell of it, like uh, um, old school. You know the Lucho Gonzalez for the just for a couple of years of, of his talent and glory and 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 whatever. So maybe that's that's the whole conclusion of it. Yeah, but the, I mean the thing is like you can make this club more attractive by creating an environment that's so un, uh, unstable. You know, constantly like revamping the whole squad is never going to to um to lead to uh a, a, you know a, a stable environment and that means that you've constantly got players that are adapting 
a, a squad that's constantly in turmoil um, and it's not attractive for buyers. So you, I think actually like they're going about it the wrong way. If they want to be a trading club, they want to be a trading club. They should try to keep the team together. Monaco, like I've kind of learned from that as well. If you've noticed in recent years, they stopped chopping and changing the whole team every year like they used to. Um, I think, yeah, you've got to sort of look at how you can make your brand, your 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 offer the most attractive. And I think the, the Longoria's obsession with signing players is, is a problem for me. Um, anyway, I think I've said too there much. There were a couple of things, just to, yeah, just to conclude on that. I mean, there's the paradox of this whole situation, Steph, you've outlined it, is Longoria, where, where maybe we want to trade and sell players. But, but yesterday, he comes out in the press conference and pretty much shits all over Jeng for apparently not training well and, and not being committed in training. It's like, mate, if you're trying to sell him and you've frozen him out, why why are you shitting on, on him in the press? Because buying clubs are going to be looking he's at lost, this. He's lost it. It's, it's the moment he started doing be. stuff like that and, and criticising players and things like that, it means he's lost it. Um, in my view, it means he's lo- he's, he's under pressure. He's the whole Dieng, the, the, the whole way they're handling Dieng, I mean, we don't know everything that's happening in the background, but it's very weird. It's very, very weird. Like, there is there is obvious things we don't understand or we don't know, I hope. And that also, like, uh, I mean, where who, who, that would be responsible, uh, a, a mistake from Dieng or and, and or his, you know, environment. Because... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if, even if you want to sell sell him, why don't you play him in, during the friendlies? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Yeah. Or then they have already some deals in the. They have already some almost done deals, uh, and that cannot happen because of you know this mercato where you have to sell someone first to get money in because no one everybody's skinned, and uh, so and they they keep him in the fridge, uh, to to be sure he's not gonna you know get injured. That's. That's the only reason why I see if they want to sell him and not play, not playing. It's like they already have a done deal, but it doesn't happen because of lack of of, of money and etc. But the whole thing is smells smells bad. Of course. Um, okay, so guys, like as I said, the season is about to start. So um, I don't know if anyone's had a chance to look at the fixture list. Um, I thought it was quite interesting actually. Um, we've actually got quite, I in my view anyway, quite a good start. Um, the you know the our opening games we've got several games that on paper you look at and you think we should really be picking up a lot of points. Um, I, I mean my main worry is like the run of fixtures that we've got leading up to the World Cup looks very very like troublesome for us and I, I think that's when we could see like a real crisis for us and a, and welcome rather welcoming the the winter yeah, break because beyond just just the league game stuff yeah you add in the Champions League fixtures in between all of those games too yeah absolutely so yeah I don't know if what are you thinking like looking looking ahead what are you expecting as the season sort of unfolds it's it's hard to predict. I mean, yeah, we're we're running short on time, so we're going on and look, But it's hard to predict. Um, there's going to be for me a a a first the first half of the season is going to pretty much play out. I mean, the rest of the season will be dictated between now and what happens between now and the World Cup. Because come the World Cup, you could be out of Europe. You could have complete fucking disarray in the squads. The manager could be on the verge of getting sacked and suddenly you've got nothing left to play for. So how do you re-motivate the players to come back after that for another six and seven months? You know, it's not like it's happening in January or February like the African Cup of Nations is. It's happening in, in October, November, well, in November, December. So 
if if you're out of, the, of Europe completely, not even further in the Champions League group, and you've got no Europa League playoff to look forward to, then then how do you re-motivate the squad? And um, not not necessarily those that go to the World Cup, but the ones that stay in Marseille and, and have to sulk like Payette for two months. But so that's how I, I that's a big worry for me. Um, as you said, the, the the games in August look pretty winnable on paper. With what we've seen so far in pre-season, if we were to suddenly click into gear and get results under our belt, that will that will calm everybody down, as it always does, because it's all about results. If we win the first two games, suddenly the players calm down, the rumours stop coming out, and the fans calm down, and we focus on the work. But if we don't, and and with all the stuff that's sort of you know the the, the the fuse has been lit, in terms of the fans' perception of of what's going on and the manager, if we don't win at home to Reims on Sunday, and then we, we're playing Nice at home on the third game of the season. If we don't beat Nice at home at the Vélodrome and we lose, it's going to be complete chaos. So either it clicks and the meeting they had on Tuesday works and we have a good run and we get nine out of 12 points in, in August under our belts and everybody calms down and, and, and just, just focuses on, on, on what's going on on the pitch, or it completely backfires and it could be over before it even begins. Yeah. Okay, Julian, uh, what about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Ben. I really agree with Ben. Like it's, um, most likely it's you know it's hard to be optimistic because because if you, even if even if you want to be optimistic and measured, there is lots of signs that are that are worrying. So, but yeah, the first already this game against France is the first game of the season and it's already super important because if you get this only this one win, it will calm down. A lot of things. So we have to win against France. That's that's absolutely sure. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think actually what's kind of interesting though is like looking at the fixture list, like the quality of Liga is not great this year. And I, I think maybe that might be down to they're just losing two big massive clubs, even though they've been crap in recent years. But you know the names of like losing, you know Bordeaux and, and Saint Etienne, like it just look, you know, you're like looking at the fixtures. It's like oh, we've got Clermont, then we've got you know. I don't know, whatever other team. There's just lots of kind of like small teams in it. Um, but yeah, it's um, we don't look ready right now, but we'll just have to wait and see. I I mean, in terms of, I'm going to go around actually and ask you like your predictions for like where we finish. Um, I'm going to say like, I actually like, and well, unsurprisingly, I think this is going to be a, bad, a tough season for us. Um, and I can see, as I said, like probably us entering into like proper full-on crisis um, you know, come November, I think the manager will be gone. I don't think he'll last past the world to once the, you know the break comes at the World Cup. I think he'll be gone. Um, he, he might be gone even earlier than that. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly like of, of I'm confident that this probably isn't going to work very long. I hope I'm pro- I'm proven wrong, but yeah, it just looks like that to me. And I think actually, in the end, I think someone new will come in and they'll probably steady the ship. And we'll probably finish something like six or something in the end. But I think that we'll have some real rocky months um, in that, uh, kind of early mid-season. Um, and in terms of the Champions League, I, I don't know, actually. Like, I don't know if anyone had a chance to look at the teams um, that we could be drawn with. But I noted, like, you, Julian, you shared it with me, like, we're in part four. So we're in, like, the worst part we could be in in that we're basically going to get drawn against all the good teams. Um, that looks very worrying. So I, yeah, I mean, my again, worst case scenario is what I'm going to predict is that 
we're probably going to not pick up any points again. <laughs> I mean, the best group we can hope for, I think, is Frankfurt, Sevilla and Salzburg. All three teams which are better than us. So that doesn't really like bode well for us, I think. So yeah, I'm expecting a disappointing uh, Champions League campaign um, f- last place finish in the group stage as well. What about you guys? Uh, do you, do you want to go first for the change? I was just going to go first and say I don't have really much to add, Steph. I think sadly you're right. And as much as it, it fucking pains all of us to to not be able to to have at least two good seasons in a row, you're, I think you're spot on with everything you said. I don't have anything to add. Oh dear. Yeah, but you you guys remember? I remember after we had the the pod after the Strasbourg game, and uh, we were all like hyped and yeah, like he's so cool and he was so nice. And I said, yeah. And then I think about last time. Oh, I had, uh, had two good seasons in a row, and I get depressed. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm really sad because I had no idea that that it might happen like so fast that it might actually be, you know, like well, you never know in football. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, I think this year is gonna be a satisfying season if we finish third in the Champions Group, and if we finish in Europe also. And let's say, like, at least finish in Europe, top five, and also, like, finish third in the Champions Group, in at least third in the Champions League, and try to have a nice run in the UEFA Cup, in the Europa League. Uh, you never know. You know, try to try to, to have emotions there. Maybe go to the final. I'm dreaming. Yeah, no. But, you know, as far as we can, try to win the French Cup. You know, I, you know, I, I hope that at least if we... If we are shit in the league, if we can, if we are not really there for for top three, that at least we'll have something to to dream a bit, you know. Um, top three in the league would be this year. I take third, like in a in a second. Uh, there is too many teams I see better than us at the moment. I even see Rennes better than than us. Lyon, I see them better than us. I see probably Nice almost better than us, even though their their uh, mercato was not the most incredible, but uh, Paris, you know, they're they're there. It's ah, so I say fifth, and I hope I hope third. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's quite positive. So well, I have bad. to be, you know, like like I have to I have to try to be. But. Someone has to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So uh, with Sunday's game against France, uh, what what are we predicting for the score? A one nil with uh with uh one nil with a last minute winner uh by Milik from uh from his <laughs> left hip <laughs> on the corner. Yeah, that happened last week in Chesterfield. I doubt it's gonna happen again. <laughs> um uh, very tense, um stressful nil nil, I reckon. Okay, I I think I'm going to go with 1-1. You know, I, I think it probably will be, as you said, Ben, like maybe quite tense for us, a little bit scrappy. Um, and hey, come on, guys, we're going to beat France, please. Julien, Julien, you, you, I was just going to add, you, you do know that we've only we've only beaten France once at the Velodrome in the last eight times we've played them. Oh, no, I didn't you know, know that. that. I didn't uh, know that. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay, yeah. fair enough. Do we also have a bad record, don't we, in the opening fixtures, I think? I, I'm, I'm always we remember. Do well. wasn't, we do, yeah. but yeah, so it's double whammy, double whammy. Mm, I yeah. wouldn't bet anything on it, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, draw. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going with draw anyway. Okay. So um, it's a bit sad, isn't it? That like as you said, Julian, we had such a we were quite you know elated when the season ended last year and we did that podcast and now everything's a bit miserable again and it's just yeah it's just unfortunate this club always seems to manage to fuck itself up even when things are going okay um it's just i don't know it's like it's like we're toxic um but anyway so yeah it's constantly one step forward two step backwards yeah anyway guys it was uh nice to get back together and uh chat about om and or or vent um about om but yeah so um thanks for joining us and i think we'll probably try and catch up again after the hands game and um yeah and review our opening fixture thank you thank you everyone